Okay, today's Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast... Do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, thanks, Emily. Uh, and yes, uh, great to see you all this morning. Well done for making it through. Um, uh, my name's Duncan. If we haven't met, it'd be great to um, catch up with you afterwards. Welcome to uh, church this morning. Uh, but uh, as Steve mentioned, we're working our way through the great Sermon on the Mount, um, one of the most famous parts of the Bible. And today we have a very famous part of that famous part. Um, but, but you might know these words. Uh, this probably is going to be familiar to some of you. Uh, a line from a very famous play that says, All the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. If we uh, have that next slide up, you can see, uh, uh, if we want to go to the next slide, Max, there we go. All the world's a stage. All the men and women on it are merely players. Of course, uh, that's uh, a line written by Shakespeare about 400 years ago. Uh, it was written 400 years ago, but it could really be talking about our society today in lots of ways, couldn't it? Uh, this way of seeing life as basically a platform on which you perform. Uh, you perform for the world around you. Um, uh, it's, uh, if you're on social media, you probably know this um, tendency. That, uh, social media tends to kind of ramp this up. Uh, we create a picture of ourselves that we can kind of adjust and change and present to the world, uh, this way of living our lives. We're encouraged to live for an audience. I don't know if you've felt this. I certainly have. Um, when you, uh, and it, uh, uh, for instance, if you're experiencing something 
uh, that you're really excited about or something beautiful. It's hard these days, isn't it, uh, to, to just go and experience a really beautiful sunset without that creeping thought in the back of your mind, I really should be taking a photo of this uh, so I can post it on social media and monitor it for likes. Uh, <laughs> one, one writer puts it like this, we live in a state of perpetual auditioning. <laughs> we live in a state of perpetual auditioning. And the trouble, of course, is that none of us pass the audition. <laughs> Not ultimately. Well, it's always been an issue, actually. It's maybe enhanced or encouraged by te modern technology and the things we have available for us, but it's actually a deep movement of the human heart, this longing for acceptance, for approval. Uh, and one way we try to get that is through performing before others. Uh, we saw it last week, if you're here, this idea of putting on a mask, the, the idea of hypocrisy. Well, friends, what Jesus puts before us today is like it's an incredible antidote to all of that. It's a wonderful antidote. He opens up this way of viewing life, not, life, not as an anxious performance trying to impress other people. A life in Jesus' kingdom is totally different to that. Life in Jesus' kingdom is lived under the smile of our heavenly Father who knows and delights in his children. Okay, but what's interesting is that Jesus in this sermon, he doesn't tell his disciples, he's aware of this, this tendency of ours for hypocrisy, mask wearing, performance um, in front of others, he's aware of this, but what he doesn't tell his disciples is, okay, what you need to do is just go and be hermits in a cave somewhere. So cut yourself off from the, even the possibility of hypocrisy. Um, now, Jesus' vision for his people is not hermits in a cave. We read it earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a city on a hill. It's uh, the light of the world. Um, if you go to the next uh, slide, here we go. Yeah, Matthew 5, in verse 16. Uh, maybe you'll remember this when we read it. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus' vision in this sermon is for a peop this people who hunger and thirst for righteousness and who live in the world in a way that kind of shows that, that lives that out in front of people. To, that, uh, his vision is for a people who do practice their righteousness in front of others. Uh, but what Jesus has, he, he, what he has in his sights in this passage we're looking at today is just this very subtle... This very subtle and ever-present danger for his followers, for his people. You might have noticed that in verse 1. It's not, not just to practice their righteousness in front of others, be the city on the hill. Did you notice what Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 6? To practice their righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. To be seen by them. And there's this, great, there's this great danger of practicing your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. And the great danger is not that you'll fail in doing that. The great danger is that you might succeed, <laughs> that you might succeed, that you might get what you want. Uh, did you notice that as uh, it was read through for us, did you notice that repeated phrase all the way through that Jesus says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
these people who are practicing their righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, Jesus says, yes, they've got what they want. <laughs> they've received their reward in full. You can live for the applause of others and you can even get it. But Jesus says that's all you'll get. Uh, do you notice that at the end of verse 1, there's this really sobering contrast. Live for the reward of being seen by others. And at the end of verse 1, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, so what is this idea of reward? It kind of pops up through this passage. Uh, it doesn't, Jesus it doesn't explicitly sort of fill it out, but you notice these two rewards go alongside each other, right? Uh, there's the reward of the hypocrite, the person who's looking for the applause of others, the mask wearer. There's that reward. And then there's this reward of your Father in heaven. And it seems to me that they, they kind of parallel each other. The, the reward these hypocrites long for is the approval, the smile, the well done of the crowd around them. <laughs> but the reward Jesus is teaching us to long for, to long for, is the approval, the smile, the well done of our Father in heaven. Of our Father in heaven. And I just love how Jesus teaches about his kingdom here. See what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, look, you've got these longings for approval, for acceptance, for uh, all these longings. He doesn't say, they're wrong, stop it. <laughs> stop longing for those things. You see, Jesus' kingdom, it isn't less, it's more. It isn't less joy, it's more. It's a true, deeper and truer joy. It isn't less approval, it's more, infinitely more. You see, um, we can so often settle for the changing, unstable, fickle reward of people around us when what's offered to us is the steady and endless an overflowing reward of our Father. Well, uh, what Jesus does as he goes through is he gives these three illustrations for how this works out uh, for the rest of the, this passage. He takes these three major religious activities of the Jewish people at the time, uh, giving to the poor, praying to God, uh, and fasting. Um, they're, they're three things that are really good in themselves. They're good activities in themselves, they're good things to do. Uh, and And... And also, all three of them are actually seen as continuing on in the New Testament for followers of Jesus. You know, he, Jesus doesn't say, don't do these things. He actually just assumes we will be doing these things when you give, da, 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 when you pray, when you fast. Uh, but just like last week, what, see what Jesus is doing here. He's going uh, under the surface and he's getting to the heart. He's getting to the heart of things. So um, verse 2, uh, verse 2, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. There it is again, to be honoured. Truly, I tell you, they have received their award in full. And so uh, that, that's uh, his kind of diagnosis of this issue. It shows it in this particular way. But what does he say to do instead? Well, he uses this over-the-top language in verse 3. We've seen him do it before. It's this way of teaching that takes, uh, the, makes a strong point by using this kind of opposite extreme. Uh, not only should you not look for the, uh, uh, do, uh, you do your giving in front of others, aim to be so far from that that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand's doing. So it's an impossible thing, but you get the point he's making, right? 
Um, it's a, and the goal is there in verse 4. When you give to the needy, verse 3, don't let your left hand know what your right's doing, so that your giving may be in secret. See, giving in Jesus' kingdom has a secretness to it. Uh, it's done without any audience. Uh, but that's not quite right, is it? Uh, there is someone who sees you. And he is the only one worth being seen by at the end of the day. Verse 4. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, the same dynamic goes on as you read through these examples. The next example Jesus gives is about prayer. And he focuses on a couple of different aspects of this hypocritical prayer that's going on. Uh, in verse 5, they try to manipulate people through their performance on street corners. Uh, and Jesus goes to the heart again, right? Um, don't long for the reward of others when you pray. Long for the reward of your Father, for his smile, not the smile of the crowd around you. And in verse 6, uh, Jesus said, that's going to be seen by praying where no one sees you. When no one knows about it, in a room with the door closed, all by yourself. Because, again, of course, though, you're not all by yourself, are you? You're not all by yourself. You're with your Father, who is unseen. So that's kind of one thing that these hypocrites do in their prayers. But uh, they also try to, they don't, ever, don't, don't just try to manipulate people around them into kind of impressing them. Uh, they also try to manipulate God with their prayers. Down in verse 7, uh, they think that their long, many-worded prayers are going to somehow impress God, get them an audience with God, a special hearing with him. <laughs> and Jesus says, don't, don't think your prayer is not about you twisting God's arm. He's your father, who in, in verse 8 there, he's your father who knows what you need even before you ask him but who loves to hear you ask him anyway. So that's what Jesus says about prayer. Just a quick side note. Uh, it's important to sort of uh, to say here, I think, that Jesus isn't ruling out praying publicly here. And you know that because um, the Lord's Prayer that he teaches, it starts with not my Father, but our Father. He, kind of, he expects Christians will be gathered together, praying together. He assumes people are going to be praying together. But whatever prayers you might pray with others... Jesus wants, well, he wants you to make sure that they are um, this kind of overflow of your relationship with your father that is in secret. Uh, that, uh, this relationship that you would pursue whether or not anyone else knew about it. Okay, uh, there's one more example Jesus gives of this hypocritical righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that he's sort of teaching us against. Uh, down in verse 16. He talks about fasting. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Um, so everyone around them knows, oh, they're going through such a, such a trial. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, as in just make yourself look completely normal um, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father, again, who is unseen and your father who sees what is done secret will reward you. 
I don't know what your experience of fasting is. It isn't a spiritual practice that we often think much about or talk much about. Um, maybe some of us um, uh, follow uh, the church calendar and do Lent leading up to Easter. That might be a way that you express that. Uh, it, it just means not eating food for a longer period than you're used to. <laughs> Uh, it's a way of sort of experiencing physical hunger, and it's supposed to foster a spiritual hunger. Um, it, it's a way of reminding ourselves that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, and I, I need to confess, I don't have uh, much experience of this myself, but uh, I've found it really helpful this week, and it's helpful just to hear Jesus put this out there, right? Um, he, to, he, he sort of just assumes his kingdom followers will fast. But again, it's the same thing that's in focus. When you fast, be wary of the temptation to use it as an opportunity to look good in front of others. Um, aim so that no one else knows about it. No one else except, of course, the one person who really matters. Um, your Father in heaven. Okay. So how are we going? Jesus has given these three examples of this. this is, it's a parody of righteousness, right? This doing your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. It's this kind of show uh, this, that longs for the applause and approval of other people. He's given us these three examples, but the same kind of thing can make its way into any, like any number of things that we do or relations, ways we relate, Right? Uh, it can make itself into anything from preaching a sermon to sweeping a floor. Um, it's in all of us, right? It'll show itself in different kind of ways. I was trying to think about sort of how I might see it in myself. I, I reckon um, it's, sometimes it's when we don't get noticed for something that we've done, uh, some act of service, and you just have that, that little feeling of, being offended, right? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, but Jesus is saying here, just stop and think, well, who were, who were you serving anyway? <laughs> who was it that you were serving? Whose notice were you looking for when you did that? So it's in all of us. It's in you, it's sure in me, this temptation to hypocrisy, to applause-seeking in our practice of righteousness, in our, in our living out of the gospel in front of, in, in this world, in, with each other. So how do we guard against this? How do we practice our righteousness in front of others, not to, not to get their applause, but as this bright city on a hill that shines the light of the gospel to this world? Well, I think the first step is simply to hear the words of our Lord and to go away today and put them into practice um, to cultivate this righteousness that is in secret. This giving that is in secret. This prayer that is in secret. Find a time and a place when you're just alone to pray. And if you're not sure what to pray, just hold that thought. We'll come back to that in a sec. Um, Cultivate fasting in secret. Cultivate, cultivate this intimacy with God and a service of him that isn't dependent on other people's knowledge of it or other people's approval of it. It's just between you and him. 
just between you and him. Well, I want to, but so I, I think that's um, one kind of straightforward, practical thing that we can do coming out of today. But I want to finish with those verses that I jumped over, <laughs> which are like the most well-known verses, one of the most well-known parts of the whole Bible, actually. Um, and it can be so familiar to us, can't it, that it can lose some of its impact. It can lose some of its impact. Uh, but what Jesus says when he teaches us how to pray, in right, right embedded in the middle of this passage, what Jesus says is such a precious gift. It's a powerful gift. See, what Jesus is doing, he's training our hearts with this prayer. He's kind of tuning them in to the way things really are. The life of his kingdom, it's not about a performance for your own glory. The life of Jesus' kingdom is a gracious invitation to take our part in God's great drama. Uh, the story he is telling through the gospel of Jesus. It's a prayer that lifts our eyes above ourselves to him and to his plans and his glory. So he says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Um, and apart from that first line in verse 9, do you, do you notice in this prayer, every line, everything that Jesus says we should pray for, every line is asking for something. Every line is asking. Sometimes uh, it, we can kind of feel that asking God for things is a bit unspiritual, but that's not Jesus' view here. Uh, prayer is actually about being joyfully dependent on our Father in heaven and expressing that dependence through asking him for things. <laughs> but what, what are the things that a heart trained by Jesus will ask for, will long for? What are the things that a heart that Jesus is forming for his kingdom, for his glory, what are the things that that kind of a heart will long for, will ask their father for. Or it might not be what you expect. Do you notice the first half of the prayer? It's not really anything to do with us. It's all about God. Um, verse 9 and 10. Uh, Jesus is shaping his people to, to long for God's name to be hallowed, uh, to be revered as glorious. Uh, a people who long for God's kingdom for his reign, his right rule, to come in all its fullness, a, a world where people, all people live under his good rule, where his will is done here as it is in heaven. So uh, this is just really helpful for us. Uh, do you recognise this sort of drift towards hypocrisy in your own heart? <laughs> well, if you do, praise God for that, because that's his, his grace to you in revealing that to you. But do you want to grow in this kind of genuine... Um, righteousness in your life, then ask your father that he would lift your gaze from yourself to him, to his kingdom, to his will. Ask your father to put that fire in your heart for his great eternal plan that he has purposed in Christ. Well, in the second half of Jesus' prayer, it's like the, the, the camera, if you're watching a, video, a movie, the camera is at the widest ang possible angle that you can get, taking the, the biggest picture, and then it suddenly zooms right into the smallest focus. 
goes right from the big things of God down to little old you, little old me, right into the details of our lives. We see those details, those little realities, we see them rightly when we see them in the light of those big realities of God and his kingdom. Uh, Verse 11, we see that all of life is a gift from our Father, right down to the stuff we put in our mouths. (laughs) So we, we keep asking him to give us our bread every day. Verse 12, we see that we are in our Father's debt because of our sin. And that only he can forgive that debt. So we ask him for it. We don't ask for forgiveness kind of anxiously or unsure whether or not we have it. Uh, Through Jesus, we can approach the throne of grace boldly. But we still ask it because we still sin. And did you notice that strong link between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of each other that comes through here? He comes back to it in verse 14 and 15. It's a really kind of strong and sometimes puzzling thing Jesus said. He's not saying our forgiveness of other people, our forgiveness of each other causes God to forgive us. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that our forgiveness causes God's forgiveness, but he is saying that if you're a forgiven person, you must also be a forgiving person. The two go together always. There's a necessary link there. And so, so friends, if, if you're harboring unforgiveness and bitterness or resentment, Jesus does have a warning here. It, no matter how good we look on the outside, if that's what's going on in our hearts, is that not a sign that in the secret places of our hearts we have not recognised our own massive debt towards God that he freely offers to utterly, completely wipe away uh, if we will turn to him and trust him. So in that light, forgiveness of others becomes an overflow of your own forgiveness. Uh, I'm conscious that it's um, a heavy thing for, for many of us. But few things shine brighter in the darkness when this is actually worked out. I, I was trying to think of a re, uh, an example, and the most stunning one that I could think of that's been recent, um, you might remember there was this, tragic, um, uh, this, this tragedy last year when three children, in, I think it was in Sydney, uh, three children were, um, mowed, were um, killed by a drunk driver. Three, they were just walking along the road getting their, their ice creams. Uh, from the Abdullah family. Now, their parents, Danny and Layla Abdullah, are Christians. And the world was stunned when Layla, uh, soon after this, a grieving mum, said that in her heart she forgives the man who did this. And it was like people could not comprehend that. And she was recently interviewed about this. And she said that she feels blessed that God could use their display of forgiveness as a signpost to the forgiveness he offers everyone in Christ. It's just incredible. This is a quote from her. It comes very naturally. It came very naturally to us because we had been practicing it all our lives. Before, Danny and I had prayed together that God would bless us with forgiveness all our lives. It's like when you go to a gym. 
The more you practice and train, the stronger you become. Forgiveness is like that when you practice on a daily basis and it gets magnified when you're put in a situation similar to us. What a light that is shining to the forgiveness that God offers us. Well, there's one more part of this prayer. Uh, and it's this, but it's the same kind of idea, this radical dependence on our Father in the details of our lives. Verse 13, uh, but this time it's in our spiritual struggle, your struggle against the temptation to sin. Uh, I don't think this is saying that God, God tempts people wanting them to fall. That's, God doesn't do that. It, it's, it's just this cry of this heart, of this dependent heart, asking that God would, would just keep them from temptation and when it does come, that he would deliver them from the evil one and that he would strengthen them to resist that and not to fall into sin. Okay, there's heaps that's uh, sort of been put before us today, isn't there? Uh, this prayer of Jesus is like the, this incredible, great, life-giving alternative to the prayer of these hypocrites that Jesus is is um, teaching against here. Uh, Christians through the ages have prayed this prayer together and we continue to do it as well. Uh, it is a great gift to have this prayer kind of ingrained in your heart and your mind, uh, to be able to bring it up at any time. Uh, and I suspect for many of us there will be times in your life when you are unable to pray your own prayers. And having these words to pray will be God's gift to carry you through those times. Uh, they certainly have been for me. Uh, but notice Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So it, it, there's, the, the words themselves are wonderful and rich and uh, should be settled in our hearts. But there's more going on than just a form of words here, Right? He's showing us the things that we should long for if we are living not for the audience of the world, but for an audience of one. Uh, if we are together living for the smile of our Father in heaven, for his well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, he's showing us the kind of things that the poor in spirit, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness long for and pray for, uh, and so can I lead us in praying for these things together That's as we finish up. Let's pray. Oh, our God, our hearts are so prone to wander into this kind of um, longing for, looking to find our longing met, not in you, but in the praise and approval of people around us. Keep us from that, we pray. Uh, we thank you that you are our Father who is in heaven. What an incredible miracle that is through the gospel. And we pray that you'll tune our hearts, our God, uh, to be on about what you're on about, that your name would be honoured, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in our own lives and on this earth as it is in heaven. Father, we depend on you in every part of our lives. We can't do anything without you. Um, so we ask now that you would continue to provide for us, continue to give us every day what we need. We admit and we confess our own debt to you, our sins, and we pray your forgiveness.
knowing that in Christ you have poured it out on us. Make us a forgiving people. Um, Please help us to see how we might put that into practice. Uh, And keep us from from temptation and from, um, uh, from the attacks of the evil one. Deliver us from them, we pray. Give us strength. Help us to recognize when those are happening and give us your strength to turn away from them and not fall. In all of this, Father, we pray for your great help that we might know more of the joy of knowing you as our Heavenly Father and living just for your pleasure. We thank you that in Christ we have that secure and eternally. Uh, And uh, we pray that you'd shape us more and more in line with those things. In Jesus' name. Amen.